I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup, and I'm a benefits consultant with Locked In Companies. Today, we are providing you a legislative update. Back on October the 13th, we dropped an episode where Zack Snyder joined me to talk about the race, particularly here in Washington, and some of these different open seats that or incumbents that were being challenged for their seat in this last race because there was a lot going on more than just at the federal level. He made some predictions. We talked about, you know, what happens if this person wins over that person. Zach is back today to talk about some outcomes. So we want to be clear and you know set this up front. The election hasn't been certified yet. That will probably happen at the end of the month. And Zach can talk about what our state governs around rules like that with the election. I think it's really important that we understand some of those pieces, but there's enough votes that have been counted that we can talk about what's projected with a lot of confidence. So Zach Snyder, who's the government affairs director at Regents Blue Shield. He is here today and he's even got some visual aids for us. Welcome back, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be back to talk about what we saw in this big election. Big, yeah. So let's go ahead and start with, I love that you are giving us some pictures here. So if you are maybe listening to this on iTunes, you can watch watch the full recording on YouTube, on my channel, and you'll be able to see the aids that we're talking about here. Um, so Zach, I mean, let's, let's start with it because you've identified some themes. I mean, we talked about some themes in that episode from the 13th, but now that you actually have some good projections, there are some other themes here that have kind of emerged. And uh, I love that you've given us some things here that we can either jot down some notes or um, be able to just follow along in a different way with you today. Yeah, so there are about five themes I wanna talk about with you today, uh, Danielle. And the first is that incumbents have won big over challengers in statewide races and at the congressional level. So if you are a well-known name in Washington state politics, chances are you won big in the 2020 election. Is that a new theme, the name recognition piece really tying into the outcomes of election? We have seen themes in previous elections where voters want to throw the bums out, as I say, but that was not the case here, at least in the statewide races and at the congressional level, the bigger races that we saw in the state. Okay. What's that next one? Because we talk about this one a lot, you and I. We certainly do, and we've seen a lot of change in the state around this, and it is that progressives are winning in certain races at the legislative level or coming very close in the Puget Sound region. Moderate Democrats, they are losing to progressives or having very credible challengers come close. We are likely to see this expand in the coming years. Okay. And then third is that Democrats are beating Republicans in some swing legislative districts, again, in that Puget Sound area. So we're seeing that up north in Whatcom County and Island County and in the South Sound in uh, University Place 
then further south down to Vancouver. Okay. So that's, and that's something new, right? That is new. We're seeing a realignment and that goes into our next bullet here is that Democrats are winning in some swing areas in the South Sound, up North and down in Southwest Washington, but Republicans are winning in some areas and they are changing blue districts into red districts. And that's over in the Olympic Peninsula. We're paying very close attention to Longview. That has changed. That was a New Deal Democrat stronghold and it is now swinging uh, to Republicans. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that when we get into the specific races. Okay. I like this last one. I hope, I hope this is a trend that continues. Voter turnout is up and we talked about where it would be right now. It's at about 81%. We expect that it will get closer to 90%, but we'll see all the ballots must be counted before we can make a final calculation as to where voter turnout was. Got it. And would you just let us know what is that certification date? Certification is November 23rd in the state of Washington. That is when we will know those final numbers. Okay. And I think worth noting too, especially since there have been some questions and, you know, let's call it concerns about voter fraud, would you just give us a little bit of fact around you know, what our state requires when it comes to allegations of voter fraud. How does our state handle those, those kinds of allegations? Well, to be clear, there are no suggestions of voter fraud in the state of Washington. Right now we have Kim Wyman running our state elections. She's a Republican. She's one of the few statewide Republicans running our elections in the state, in a state and that's she controlled. Has been for a while, right? She has been there. We have a tradition of Republicans running elections in the state of Washington, going back to Ralph Monroe, who is a famous Washingtonian. We've had that tradition in Washington in a very blue state. We have Republicans that control the election process. She's a leader in elections, and she has come out and said that this is a very smooth election, which is right in the history of Washington State elections. So if there are credible claims, those would be determined in a court of law. And those bringing the claims would have to show clear and convincing evidence of fraud in order to adjudicate them properly. But the proper place for those claims is in a, is in a court. Okay. Not social media. Probably not. No, probably not. Right. Um, all right. Well, I'm always encouraged when people are turning out to vote and, you know, I, I would love it if we see this, you know, in midterm elections too. So what's up next? Because there were a lot of races that we were talking about here, starting with Governor Inslee. Let's talk about Governor Inslee at the top of the statewide ticket here. He had a convincing win, a very strong win in the state of Washington. He won all of the Puget Sound area seats, or excuse me, counties, Clark County and Whitman County. That's where Washington State University is, a big college town out in eastern Washington. This is his largest victory yet for governor. He is now 
a three-term governor. He's one of two governors in our state's history to win three consecutive terms. He is the third governor in our state's history to win three terms. We will see how long he will be there. As we discussed before, there are rumors that if Biden continues to be the presumptive nominee for president, or excuse me, the presumptive uh, winner of the presidency, then he may choose to bring Governor Inslee out to Washington, D.C., and then we would have a new governor, the lieutenant governor, step into that seat. Right. And it's worth noting here that Inslee was your predicted winner as well. That was what the polling indicated, and you were pretty certain that this was the way it was going to go. Um, how many, I mean, how many terms can a governor in Washington state run for? There are no limits, term limits in Washington state for any statewide race. There, the only term limit that exists is the term limit for a president. And that's a constitutional provision. Got in it. our state, we don't have term limits. So Governor Inslee, he won a third term and he could be a, a 12 year president, okay. or excuse me, a 12 year uh, governor. Got it. Okay. So the next race and, you know, this is one too. We, we talked about it. Um, Denny Heck is, is well known. And um, there was a big write-in campaign for Joshua Freed who didn't make it um, on the governor ticket for this election. Um, he did probably better than what you had expected as far as a write-in candidate, but Denny Heck still pulled out to be the clear winner in that race. Denny, Denny Heck had a big win for Lieutenant Governor, again, with the theme that if you are a well-known name in Washington politics, you had a big night in 2020 if you were running for a statewide race or a congressional race. Here, this is a statewide race. Denny Heck's been around since the 70s. He was a state legislator for a long time. He was in Congress for a long time, and now he is elected lieutenant governor. He won all of the deep blue counties here. The only county that Marco Leas, the progressive challenger won, is San Juan County up north, very small county. The gray counties, a write-in candidate won those counties. We know that Joshua Freed ran a strong campaign for write-in it's likely that most of those write-in ballots were for freed. We don't know yet, but it's likely that they were for freed. Yeah. Interesting still, though, to see the picture and see that the write-in Republicans still didn't take these counties that we see definitely went red in the governor or even the presidential election, which I, I know you've got there tucked in at the end. That's right. We have Denny Heck at about 46%, Marco Elias at about 33 and a half, and the writing candidate at about 20 and a half percent. Okay. All right. What's up next? Next is our state legislative races. And what we have here up on the screen is a representation on how some areas of the state are beginning to change. I want to first start with the light blue races. And those are races where Republicans are losing to Democrats. So we're shifting from red to a moderate Democrat. 
At the top, we have the 42nd Legislative District, which is most of Whatcom County, a little tiny part of Bellingham, but mostly it is rural Whatcom County. Going all the way up to the Canadian border, you have Blaine in that county, for example. We have a Democrat beating a Republican in that race, shifting that uh, seat to a Democratic seat. Then going down a little bit further south to Stanwood in Island County in the 10th, we have a Democrat beating a Republican. But Danielle, when I looked at the numbers today, the Republican has come back and is now slightly leading. So I have this shaded blue. The next time we talk, we might need to put it back in the red column. Yeah, well, yeah, we might need another update for the update, right? Um, That's right. These are close. We're going to have a, a recount probably in the 10th. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So other than the 10th, then you've got that last little blue dot there. The last light blue dot is the 28th. That's University Place. That is the South Sound, part of Tacoma, part of that military family base around the joint base lewis McCord. We have longtime state Senator Steve Oban losing to an upstart Democrat, Tawana Nobles. That was the most expensive race in the state, I believe. Maybe the fifth was a little bit more expensive, but at least one of the most expensive races in the state. Steve Oban so appears to be losing to Tawana Nobles. She is still in the lead. I expect that to hold. Okay. And then uh, you want to talk about your progressive districts or do we want to let's talk let's about talk about let's talk about the the progressive districts the deep blue districts those represent areas that are not moving democrat to republican or republican to democrat they're moving from moderate democrat to progressive democrat okay i want to talk first about the 11th that is in the tuckwilla area we have moderate Democrat losing to progressive Democrat by a very clear margin, over 10% in that race. So that's the clearest win. Mm -hmm. Moving east to the Seattle suburbs, to Issaquah, an area that was controlled by Republicans not very long ago. Just a few years ago, all seats in the fifth legislative district were, were controlled by Republicans. Now they're controlled by all Democrats and not only that, a progressive challenger to incumbent moderate Democrat Mark Mullet was leading, but appears to be moving back toward Mark Mullet. So again, Danielle, we may need to, right. to move the fifth from deep blue to a more uh, lighter shade of blue in our next update. Yeah, and, and when I make mention that that's a tight race, I pulled the numbers last night, uh, which was a Sunday night. We're talking about a difference here in votes of like maybe 70. So neck and neck, really. And that might be the most expensive race in the state. I'll have to go in and compare numbers, but you have the unions facing off against the business community. You have the governor of the state of Washington, Jay Inslee, weighing in and endorsing Anderson, the progressive challenger. You have state Democrats pulling their money and not supporting incumbent Democrat Mark Mullet. Interesting. All right. So, you know, changes continue. 
And, you know, those races, I said this in the beginning, we have spent a lot of time talking about this progressive shift in Washington state. So um, is that, was, was that the last of the races that we wanted to just highlight in the legislative districts? The, the final one I wanna highlight is in the 19th on the peninsula where we have a shift from Democrats to Republicans. This is an area of the state that has been democratic ever since the 1930s, the New Deal. They are now shifting toward Republicans in a very clear way. So you have areas like the fifth and areas east of Seattle, the east side of Seattle, the suburbs, they used to be Republican areas. What I said last time we talked, country club Republican areas, they are now democratic areas. Yeah. Whereas the 19th, the former working class areas, they are now moving toward Republicans. So we have a realignment. We have a shift in Washington. And if you look at it visually, just look at it. We have the Puget Sound lining up blue, and then we have the rural areas lining up red. It wasn't always like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. It's always interesting, if nothing else, right? That's right. Yeah. And then the congressional districts too. There were a few of these I know you were watching really closely. And, you know, at least one of these two that maybe not until it's certified. I mean, are we going to cut that close on a couple of these? Most experts believe these are pretty settled, even though we okay. can't call it until it's finally certified. When we talked, we talked about tracking three districts out of our 10 districts in the state. The first is Congressional District 10. That's the one that Congressman Heck vacated. He has now won that election for Lieutenant Governor. You had Marilyn Strickland, who is the moderate pro-business voice, and Beth Dolio, who is the more progressive voice, who has been endorsed by Pramila Jayapal and Bernie Sanders, who are the leaders of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. In Congress. Marilyn Strickland, she came with a number of endorsements too of Democrats that aren't as progressive as those two you mentioned, which is, I mean, it all ties back to this theme that we're talking about, I guess. She did. And she made some headlines. She's a historic uh, winner here. She is the first Black person, first Black woman ever elected from the Pacific Northwest. Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. That is to be celebrated. She is the first Korean American uh, representing those areas as well. So she has a lot of firsts coming into that uh, seat there. Um, and she brings a lot of experience being the mayor of Tacoma, being the CEO of the Seattle Chamber. She spent a lot of time working with diverse groups of people, bringing all types of voices together to find solutions to problems that we face in the Puget Sound area. So she's well qualified to take on this uh, seat. And she's winning by, I mean, a pretty wide margin, at least when, you know, when I look at the numbers, it looks wide. She is. She almost has a full majority of the votes. Beth Dolio, her main challenger, has only 35.7% of the votes. Got it. So pretty handily beat there. Mm -hmm. um, what about 
Let's let's talk about District 8. District 8 is a district that has been Republican for most of its life. Dave Reichert served in that seat for a very long time. The Democrats flipped it in 2018 with Kim Schreier, who is a physician. She's the only woman physician in the entire US Congress. She's the only Democrat who's a physician in the Congress. There are other physicians, but she's the only Democrat. She is winning this race, will likely hold on to it, but it is very close. Her challenger, Jesse Jensen, who's a military guy, young guy, he put up a strong challenge. So she didn't walk away with this win. She had to fight for it, but it looks like she's holding on. And as you can see here, King County is where she gets the most, the majority of her votes. There are other counties that are in this district, but only pieces of them. There is a piece of Pierce. There is a piece of Kittitas, a piece of Chelan, and a piece of Douglas County in there. Okay. District three, this is another one that's down south. District three, the Cook Political Report, which is a well-known and famous political report based in Washington, D.C., rated this race as a toss-up and rated Congressional District 8 as a likely Democratic race. What's happened is (laughs) Congressional District 8 is the toss-up, so to speak, and Congressional District 3 is a lean Republican. Jamie Herrera-Butler who is the only Republican on the West Coast left. Wow. California, Oregon, and Washington. Those are the three states on the West Coast. So she is the only Republican who represents a district that is touching the water on the West Coast. Every other district that touches the water on the entire West Coast is controlled by a Democrat. She's the, she's the last one. She is the, uh, the only... Um, you know, uh, Latina uh, woman in Congress. And so she has a lot of firsts around her as well. And she is an advocate for children's health. She was one of the only Republican votes against repealing the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so she, she takes a little bit of a different track than most Republicans. I suspect that's why she's able to hold on to her seat here. And I mean, it is interesting that this, this one was the surprise and in preparation, I asked you this question and, and I'll ask you again because the polling was really off. So what would you say to that? I mean, we, and, you know, we hear little snippets of that in a number of races across the country that, you know, the polling wasn't right. So what, what leads to that? What are some of the causes? One, we don't know, number one. But number two, what's important to keep in mind is that there is a margin of error in every poll. Polls cannot tell the future. They only predict what is likely based on facts and evidence that is presented today. If polls could tell the future, then we would all be very wealthy because we would know exactly what would happen in the future. Right. So what pollsters do, yeah, so what pollsters do is they use statistical models to predict likely outcomes, and they put in uh, different things to show what is the likelihood of that happening. So when you look at the polls, a lot of the polls remain in the margin of error, 
which means that the poles can be off by a certain percent. But ordinary human beings, when they look at that, they don't take that into account. They see a projection and they say, if it's anything that deviates from that, then the poles were wrong. Well, a pollster would tell you, I'm not wrong. I gave you a margin of error. I'm predicting what the likely outcomes are based on the data that we have using statistical models. So that's important to keep in mind here. And sometimes these margins of error are a little bit wider than other times. So um, it is it is interesting to see how, you know, as our state changes, I would just have to assume that, you know, those changes can't always be predictable either. And we're going to learn a lot about how people are changing the way they live and work in Washington state. All right, the next, the next one, of course, you know, we've all been talking about this one or watching the news. I think it's the majority of what I did last week. So talk to us about the outcomes that were specific here in our state with the presidential election. Joe Biden walks away with all 12 of our electoral votes. Yeah. That's what we expected to happen. That's exactly what happened. And when you look at Biden's map, it's the exact map Inslee walked away with. Yeah, and it's almost, I mean, it's a little shy, but almost a million more votes for Biden over Trump in our state. That's right, Culp did better than Biden. Excuse me, Culp did better than Trump. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, and, you know, obviously the certification for the federal election is a little further off probably than ours, but um, what do you anticipate for certification on that race? We anticipate that the electoral college will vote and the vote will be certified as it has been for the majority of American history. Okay. The state legislatures of every state dictate how elections are run and dictate how electors are selected for the electoral college. Every state in the nation says that, and they have laws on the books say that whoever wins the popular vote in their state, that party gets to select the slate of voters for the electoral college. There are two states that do not select on statewide. They do it by congressional district. That's Maine and Nebraska, but most states do it that way. And they say, if the Democrats win the state, then that party gets to select the electors to go to the electoral college. That's how it's gonna work. Okay, interesting. Okay, I see the professor in you coming out here. Uh, this is good. So really serious question. Um, last week, I think one of the things that um, I was talking about, uh, colleagues were talking about was their stress outlet for last week, which for most included some eating. Uh, what was your, what was your stress outlet? Was there a candy or a, a beverage you were consuming to get through the news cycles every day? It was a lot of walks, Danielle, around <laughs> my neighborhood, going to all the parks, I love the parks here in my in my hometown of Seattle, going to Seward Park, going to Discovery Park, spending a lot of time outside, going through all different types of gloves. It was so cold. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a really great, healthy alternative to Zach for you to talk about. I wish 
I wish my stress outlet last week, I could say had been walks, but it was a lot of leftover Halloween candy and Reese's pumpkins. So I'm walking a lot this week, if you know what I'm saying. 99 cents at Fred Meyer. They're on sale. Go pick <laughs> them up. Don't tell me that. Nope. I don't need any more. I don't need any more. Um, it is always really interesting um, to just have these conversations, Zach. There's a lot of good learning and tidbits that I pick up. And, you know, now that we've been doing these for a while too, being able to track some of these projections and then really look ahead into, you know, what you share with us that some of these outcomes mean. And, you know, for Washington, I know we have a little bit to go before we can say that the election is truly wrapped up. You know, from a healthcare perspective, do you feel a little bit more confident that, you know, perhaps the some of the businesses here in our state can have a little bit of a buffer, uh, a little sense of protection from some of the healthcare taxes that we've talked about, or or are we going to? walk into another year where really anything is possible and we could be, you know, looking at a lot more. I think that this election at both the federal and the state level, if it holds, will increase the likelihood that businesses will be taxed in the state of Washington. And let me tell you why. Number one is the legislature is more progressive than it was before the election. Even if mullet holds. We have more Democrats winning across the board. It's going to be slightly more progressive. It's at worst going to be status quo. Number two is that the revenue projections, the amount of money the state believes that is coming in continues to be bad. They're not going to have enough revenue to come in to meet their obligations that's not going to change because the economy is improving, but it's not improving at the rate that we need to see in order to avoid the question of new revenue. Yeah. Then number three is what's going on at the federal level. If the Republicans hold on to the United States Senate, it is unlikely that the Congress will put together a financial package to give to the states to help the states cover their state budgets which is something Democrats were hoping would happen if Biden and the Democrats won. You add all three of those things together, the likelihood and the pressure of taxes gets higher and higher. All right. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm always thankful for the checks and balances that we have in our government. Um, I, you know, as, as always, I think we typically, round up these conversations by, you know, a sort of call out to employers in particular who, you know, want to be heard, or perhaps they don't know that their voice matters in Olympia as business owners, especially when it comes to things like healthcare and those incoming taxes and new revenue streams that you're predicting that will come. Uh, This is the opportunity for employers to get involved. And uh, and we certainly hope that, um, 
maybe there will be some listening to this today who will reach out to you and make connection or, you know, you can reach out to me and I'm happy to make introductions too. We certainly believe and know that we really are all in this together. And, you know, it is our hope that we can rally voices together to be heard and make democracy work the way it's intended. Right, Zach? That's right. Please reach out. We know that we're going to see proposals to tax employee benefits. We know we're going to see proposals to tax employee payroll to pay for new programs. We have new legislators coming in. Let's get to know these folks and what, what's important to them and help them understand how your business operates in their community and hold these legislators accountable so that we're shaping legislation to reflect the best interests of our community, of our customers, and for our families. Very well said, Zach. Um, so we are always open to those conversations. You in particular make yourself available and you know, I, I joked a little bit about it. I just want to be sure people don't miss this fun fact about you, Zach, is that you know, you're not only the government affairs director here locally, but you teach classes at Bellevue College. So uh, you, you spend your time in a number of ways helping uh, to educate and empower people. And I certainly appreciate that about you and I would encourage anyone to connect directly with you so we can so we can do more of that so you can do more of that. Thank you. Yeah. So on that note, um, thank you for watching this episode or listening. You can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes or any other platform that you might uh, that you might be drawn to. You can uh, wait for that end screen too and click and follow there. We're trying to make it easier for you to connect and follow along with us. And as always, take good care. Thanks for listening today.